Hey everybody, it's Nolan North, you know, Nathan Drake from Uncharted, and you're listening to the Geek Apocalypse Podcast. Good evening everyone and welcome to the latest episode of the Geek Apocalypse Podcast with yours truly Mr. Stephen Hesse, and I actually sound like I'm putting on some sort of radio voice there, I assure you I'm not, this is just how I normally sound. Um, just a little bit more professional, which if you listen to the introductions to this podcast, that sometimes is gonna miss. <laughs> but welcome everyone, this is a really fun episode, um, it's a catch up with my friend Ricky, so it's a hosted edition of the podcast, where we talk about a variety of different things, uh, just basically like, kinda like, um, uh, uh, a catch up episode, talk about the things we've been up to, uh, so for example, um, talk about um, Mentally Sound, uh, we talk about uh, a podcast that I like at the minute called Star Trek The Next Conversation, um, which is with Matt Myra um, and uh, Andrew Secunda, I think is his name. Um, really fun. If you're if you're a fan of Star Trek, which we've talked about Star Trek on this and had a variety of guests on Star Trek related, um, it, it's really nice because uh, what I basically have been doing is watching, because uh, they review each episode um, and they've been going for a few years now, so I've only just noticed that, that these guys exist, so... It's really useful because you can go through season one and season two without wanting to have an eagle poke your eyebrows, poke your eyes out, and your eyebrows. Pretty much every part of your body you'd prefer just in a in a fat of acid. Um, in some of the episodes, not all of them, but it's nice because it actually gives me a reason to watch them episodes, so they can then basically review it and go, "This was appalling," and he has why. So it's really fun. I highly recommend you check that out. Obviously, as well as his podcast to subscribe to Geek Apocalypse, as well as Mentally Sound, which is the other podcast that myself and Ricky uh, host about mental health which is on a radio station here in the northeast of England and available on iTunes and any podcast directory you so desire but yeah so we obviously talk about mentally sound we talk about the Comfrey project which is a fantastic thing that we went to last Tuesday um, which is basically uh, helps asylum seekers um, in the northeast of England sort of acclimatise and learn English and do gardening and while they're waiting sometimes for the you know the forms to, to come through and whatnot so it's a really it's a really useful thing. Um I talk about abandoned places because there's a really good series on YouTube uh, which talks about abandoned places um and I watched a whole bunch of them the other day so I talked to uh, Ricky about that because um particularly about the Pontiac uh, Silver Dome I think is what it's called which is WrestleMania three which sadly got demolished apparently because a friend of mine uh, yet last night mentioned that um, the Pontiac Silver Dome is being demolished because it was in an episode of the Grand Tour on Top Gear um, which I didn't know um, if if we've got that place correct I'm not 100% sure but um, sounds about right um, we also talk about an interesting subject matter about um, about dealing with uh, problems as and when they happen and talk about um, looking after our moms which is a very powerful conversation towards the end so I hope that benefits anyone who listens um, and as per usual uh, we talk about loads of random stuff as well thrown in so um Ricky was really fun to talk to it was really nice to catch up with him I mean say I say catch up I see him I see him every week virtually so um but it's a catch up on the podcast anyway so I hope you guys enjoy it this is a hosted episode with myself and Ricky uh, talking about shooting the breeze as they say <laughs> Thank you. 
what was the tweet? I just said that. That's um, a good starting point because it's like so. Alan Shearer tweeted you. Why did you say? <laughs> I was just watching. Um, we we've often discussed panelists on on football shows, haven't we? The odd yeah. now and and I love it when Lineker, um, Shearer, and Ian Wright. There's something about them three. I um, like Ian Wright. Yeah. The the three of them, just the banter and the chemistry, I really love. And then I just like tweeted this morning because I watched it again this morning. Like, I always wondered, what would your reaction be like, Ricky, if, like, on Mentally Sound, for example, the, um, or, like, if we were just sitting here now, and I'm like, because um, I always thought it would be fun to do this, if, I, I mean, obviously, because I, I know you book the guests for Mentally Sound or whatever, but I just thought, if there was some way that, like, um, that I got um, Shearer to be on it, and I didn't tell you, and then all of a sudden I'm like, uh, we've got a special guest joining us on the phone, I would just love to see what your reaction would be if I didn't tell you. <laughs> I could do, I I would do it just to see your voice like if like you see your reaction if we were on mentally sound and I'm like Alan Shearer hello and you were like what <laughs> I could see you reacting like you mean like if he walked in the studio behind me that like... would be even that would be that would be ridiculously awesome um it makes me think actually as well like because I we, I I just thought about this in terms of the, the, not what I was originally going to start talking about but. Me and uh, my partner, uh, Haley, obviously, um, uh, wants to. Uh, I want to go and see Paul Merton's improv chums. Um, so okay. Paul, uh, Paul Merton is um, a guy on. Have I got news for you? If you're just in the UK, you know who I'm talking about. And um, he has an improv group, basically like whose lines are anyway in the in the nineties. Um, so and, it's Richard, Richard Branch's yes. music, isn't he? Yeah, the, yeah the, who actually is just a performer. He doesn't do the music. They've got a different. They've got a lady doing the music stuff. Okay. Um, Suzuki, uh, Su- how do I say Suzuki? And that's wrong. I don't know. Susie Webster, who's his wife. Mm-hmm. Um, and Mike McShane, who I know, I think you're a fan of. Yeah. Um, who was the yeah, large guy? Ga- anyway, crowd, isn't it? That, yeah, yeah, basically, yeah, exactly. So, um, and he's like lost a lot of weight. He looks, he looked great last time I saw him, but I haven't seen him in like five years. Mm-hmm. But um, it got me thinking though, in the fact that the studio at Spice FM is really not that far from that theatre. That maybe I should look, maybe the ongoing stuff that we should do is whenever someone's touring and comes to this, and comes to Newcastle, that we which, should which see. Which date are they coming at? 31st of May. Which so date? Not, um, the, I don't know what it's called now, um, but it was the Journal Time Theatre. Is it called something else now? It's, well, it's still, it's all, it's, it's got a weird name. It's like the Tyne Opera Theatre House, something like that. The yeah. word opera is using Because I know yeah. that Metro Radio is now called Util- Utilia or whatever yeah. it's called. Yeah. U- I hate yeah. it when venues get named after the sponsor. It's, it's a bit sort of, it, it reminds me of um, Adam Hills um, when he was on Room 101 a few years ago. And one of his um, um, gripes was that he hates venues that get renamed after sponsors and it just, just devalues the actual place. Of course, Mike Ashley tried to make it. Some James's part, the sports director, I mean, yeah, deserved the backlash that he got for that. Yeah, um, that's really weird that you said that because uh, one of the things that I've been obsessing about at the minute, and I've watched, I watched like ten different videos on this, is watching abandoned places. So, like, abandoned lived. I've talked about this on the podcast before, but I just think it's so awesome. And there's a guy on YouTube. Well, there's a bunch of them who kind of discuss discuss uh, like abandoned places that look like that were lived in that just like look like someone just get up and left and the one that i always watch every now and again because it was like it was the place where wrestlemania 3 was 
okay. and like in the Super Bowl, and it was the and the reason you make me think of that because it was called the Pontiac Superdome for a really long time. Was that and, the Andre and Hulk match? Yes, is it? right. Yep, okay. Ninety thousand people or whatever, and I think it's in Detroit. Okay. I'm gonna guess. Um, but yeah, and then they had like an NFL team, and then basically the NFL team went and left because basically they were playing in the stadium, and only it was ever like only a third full or something, or half full, or you know, because they they, they couldn't get ninety thousand people to come to play that to watch that NFL team, quite understandably. So they built a new stadium for like half the size, mm-hmm. and then basically it, it it really struggled to get like because any arenas, any uh, stadiums or arenas of that size need to have basically someone who's going to use the stadium every day if it doesn't it, they they really find it hard to make enough money for it to cover costs and that basically is what happened to it unfortunately uh spoiler alert if you're actually going to watch this video on youtube but um it's now currently being demolished which made me quite sad um because there's a, there's a great twitter account called abandoned places and it has like pictures of i think it's the same people um yeah i think there's a youtube channel called that um, so I think it's the same people. It sounds like I don't know that for certain, but it sounds like it. It sounds like it might be. But yeah, they 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 do the actual video I watched said this is called abandoned places, so it might be the same people. Um, but it's really interesting. Uh, th- there's loads of stuff in like Russia, and I've, and me me partner uh, watches um a secret Nazi thing on National Geographic, which is a really good program. It, she watches them in the morning. And that's all about like Nazi bunkers that they find, and basically say like sort of um, the the swastika that says that oh this was a secret bunker, and like the one in one the one at the one episode that I saw with that briefly was one where they found a like sort of secret place underground, but it would it was so damaged in terms of the wall that the guy who was like the surveyor went I'm not going any further, this is too dangerous. So then you got to like see like the outskirts of it, but it was it was very interesting. But I'm a bit of a history nerd, so I, I like that. Yeah. I've seen similar ones like when they go in Vietnam, mm-hmm. and they see a lot of the tunnels that the Viet Cong used to um, mm. hide from the Americans. That's how they like beat them to some degree. Yeah, Just out, outwitted them. Yeah. Yeah. But going it, back to um, it's like sto- it's like storage wars, but not fake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, storage wars fans. That was a little dig there. Because apparently there is a rumour that they do fake Storage Wars. Um, well, yeah, but I don't know if you've seen Storage Wars, but yeah. Um, well, I watched Storage Hunters, which... Ah, uh, uh, sort of similar, yeah. Yeah, actually, okay, here's a quick anecdote then. Go just on, then. Don't... Go for it. So I um, I was a big fan of that show, and I, I don't know for what reason it's not on anymore, because it's been a good two, three years since it was last broadcast, but some great funny characters on there. Basically, it uh, the show is like, Obviously, you have like storage facilities up and down the country, and for whatever reason, people who can't afford to keep them going and or, or just abandon them. So, I imagine how it goes is that, that all the property within gets left to the actual storage like holders. They get to keep the property. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, this program comes along and basically uh, unopens them. Uh, sorry, opens them that they, they've been locked for years, sometimes yep. for decades, and then just like auction them off to all these dealers. And one episode, okay, um, they opened it up, and there was this—you you could tell it was a car because there was a big sort of like um, huge cloth, dusty cloth, covered this car, and you can tell it was an American car because it was like very low to the ground and uh, very dusty, so you could tell it's been there for ages. And then they were speculating, oh, what could this be? Um, it's obviously a car. And uh, 
so they, they walked around it. They were they're not allowed to have a peek. They could just you know they were trying to look down and and you know get a get a glimpse of the tires and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then and then it got as it got closer to the bin, you could tell that that this actually could be potentially like a movie prop. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, a lady called Linda, who was a bit of a She's she's a typical kind of Essex woman, you know, not not really uh, not the brightest bulb in the box. But that was... <laughs> anyway, she managed to uh, she managed to bid for it and won it, and then they uncovered it. And what it happened was, it was the um, it's the uh, the Back to the Future car, like one of the uh, props. It's like one of the original... oh, the DeLorean. Yep. Oh, now, that's pretty. That's course, pretty fun. That's, that's yeah, fun, and she drove off it and fantastic and everything. Fast forward about a year or two, right. I went to Comic Con at the arena, the very place we mentioned there. What, what's it called again? Something. Sorry, what was that? Sorry, my phone went off. Apologies, that's a very unprofessional. The um... arena. The car was at the Comic Con at the arena. Um, what's the arena called again now? Just. Oh, oh it's San Diego. I don't know what the yeah. arena's called. Our local one, our local arena. Oh, ah, oh, Util- Utilia. Uh, Utilia, I think that's what yeah. it's called. Uh, it used to be called Metro Radio Arena. I'm with you, like, you know when they change sponsors, that's always going to be the Metro Radio Arena to me. It was like, it was Metro Radio Arena forever, and I'm like, mm-hmm. well, I know it was something, was it something before that? I think when I was, when we were younger, was it not called something before Metro Radio? Well, it was originally built for the, um, the ice hockey team, you know, yeah. do you remember Durham Wasp? So Bieber? John Hall wanted to bring the Durham Wasps, which is yeah. like a popular uh, ice hockey team, to to Newcastle, which seems a bit bizarre. The Vipers, then, wasn't it? I think. Wasps, the Durham Wasps, I think they were. Yeah. Um, but I know that we have a team called the Vipers, or we used to, then you've got I don't know about that. Yeah. But, um, then Chaz Chandler, who used to manage Jimi Hendrix and was a um, um, member of the Animals, which is probably our most famous group, certainly from the 60s, Um the, at the height of Beatlemania, they were kind of our local band. So Charles Chandler helped transform into becoming a music venue as well. And the first music gig oh, really? was David Bowie there in 95 while I was there. Um, so that's kind of the history of the place. Um, so I was a, I was a comic con there about three, four years ago. And there in the corner was a DeLorean and you can come and like take your picture with it. And I went there with, I took a picture there with my sister and I got ch- talking with a guy. Because according to him, there's there's not so many left in the world. They obviously tour around and, and get people to take pictures and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I and I said to him, I says, hang on, mate. Do you do you watch do you watch um, that program, um, Storage Hunters? And uh, his eyes just glared at me, and he says, oh, don't tell me about that. And he whispered in me, yeah, says that that program is 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 fake. The that episode where they got the DeLorean, they purposely got in touch with the company that supplies them. Here we want to do like a special episode where we want to pretend to the viewers that, that we've had, we've kept this DeLorean in, in this in this storage unit for like decades when it really hasn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just put it in there and put it like a cloth and just like dust it off to make it look like it'd been there, you know. And and yeah, it, it, it's it's. Just go on, like yeah, yeah, like you said, it's like they, they produce fake episodes sometimes just to um, fool the viewers. Well, if you think about it, because I mean, they were the, you can sort of see why they would do that and manipulate it. Because if they just opened, in for example, with storage wars, if they just opened up a storage and there was just a bunch of chairs there, that whatever, they weren't worth anything. Huh? Also, as well, the joke I always want to do is go like they opened up a storage wall. Oh, there's a dead body. <laughs> <laughs> like, like they really must have to check what's in it, yeah. really at first. Like, the, I mean, 
if the producers only know, then I don't think that's fake in the sense of that they're they they know what's coming. But I, as long if the people who are bidden don't know, then fine. Then yeah. it's not. It's still really like the sort of enigma of they're opening up a storage, but it's it's fake in the sense of they're not just opening up and seeing what's inside. That they know what's inside, and they might add something to make it a little bit more interesting. That's the that's the rumor. Yeah. Um, but I gotta say, kudos to you. I feel like I'm like letting my local like um history uh, down by the fact that you knew so much about Newcastle, like uh, you till you you I don't know Utilia Utida you you. Utilita, Utilita. I don't know how you, how you say that oh. arena. There's what it's now called, right? But I just googled it and like you knew everything about how how it came to be. I'm very impressed. Oh, um, and uh, yeah, so it was built in uh, 1995. We're talking about for those who are not sure what we're talking about. Um, the main arena where it holds concerts and stuff in the northeast of England. We're from Newcastle, and uh, it was called. So I was right. It was actually called two different things before we got to Metro Radio. Yep. Originally, it was called Newcastle Arena from yep. 1995 to 1997, and then it signed a sponsorship deal with Telewest oh, to be yeah. Telewest Arena yes, from 1997 yes. to 2004, and then it was Metro Radio Arena for 15 years until yeah. this year when it became what the name I can't say. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, um, sorry, that sponsor. I mean, we're giving you a free sponsor plug here. So, they, yeah. They're actually planning to close it down um, in a few years. They want to move it across to Gateshead, like um, like part of the keys. Like the they want to revitalize the key side again and want to put it across. Uh, fair enough. Um, yeah. By the way, kudos to you because you. Were, I mean, they they did name themselves. They the 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 ice hockey team was called the Durham Wasps. Is that what you said? Durham. Yeah. Wasps? So it was from the Wasps to the Vipers, was it? Uh, correct. They changed the name to the Vipers, so that's how I know them. But yeah, originally. It's the same as... Um, I didn't know this as well. You learn something every day, folks. The the basketball team are called the Eagles now, but yeah. they weren't called the Eagles when they first started. They were called the Comets, which oh, I did yeah. not know. Actually, they don't, they don't play there anymore, do no, they? No, they've not since like... 2010. They moved to the Newcastle... Uni- no, from my university. Yeah, that's right. And yeah. now they have their own stadium. Do you know that? No, didn't. Um, they've got their own little like, te- like I don't know, like it's a little small arena that they built for actually for the Eagles. Um, because the, the one university. of my mom's friends works there. Right. Um, sorry, what were you gonna say? No, is, it, is that part of the university as well? No, it's completely. They basically, um, I don't think that the 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 university sport arena that they were playing in. Had they deemed not big enough or something, or didn't have the facilities that they needed. Um. To be there like consistently, but I mean they were there nine years. That's not that's that's quite long. Um, I think yeah, because it's like it says here that uh, basketball like called six and a half thousand. I think that was roughly what their stadium was. I think it was like eight thousand or something, seven thousand. Yeah. I don't know where it is actually, but I did say ah, I fancy going to a game actually at some point because I used to go to the um, basketball things quite regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, because basket, um, anyone who listens to this regularly knows I'm a huge basketball fan, so. Um, but yeah, wow. Um, so yeah, so anyway, um, what the hell were we talking about before well, this? Yeah, <laughs> Our storage wars. Yeah, that was it. I want to say uh, Paul Merton. Yes, that was right. This is what got onto this. Because yeah, um, so yeah, the whole thing that to finish that, to finish the, the, the thought about that was, because we were joking about Shira being on, um, on like mentally sound or something, <laughs> is that, um, I do think it would be interesting, uh, to utilize the people who go to that arena that that particular theater because that's 
the a downscale version of like City Hall or whatever it is, and so I think we could convince anyone that goes there to maybe come earlier in the day, and as long as we get access to the studio, we could actually potentially do like a pre-record for our show. Or um, do like an hour long conversation as a Geek Apocalypse one, and then manipulate it into mentally sound or something like that. What uh, like there's there's I think that's probably our next progression. I did try um, that once, you know. Do you really? Who for? Do you want to say who or? Yeah, yeah, a band called Dodgy. Do you remember Dodgy? The from the nineties, or like a Britpop band. I really don't. Do you um, remember the song? If it's good enough for you, it's good enough, enough for me. me. It's good enough. Oh, I didn't know. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't know who sung that. Okay, so the called like, Dodgy. Dodgers? Yeah, yeah. Dodgers, did you say that? Dodgy, Dodgy. Dodgy, yeah. okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's well, Dodgy. <laughs> um, so for some reason, we follow each other on Twitter. I don't even know how that got about. But okay. They, um, they were gigging on, on the day we were we were broadcasting, and, and they... Like in recently, they're on with not not mainstream as such now, but they do like a lot of um gigs, like raising money for homeless charities and stuff like that. So I thought that'd be a good way to um. So I think I just sent a tweet something in the lungs. I I know you guys are playing tonight. If you manage to, uh, you know, if you could escape for maybe like twenty odd minutes to just up the road, um, would love to see us and and stuff. But it didn't, you know. It happened one, I think, you know. I think if we work out a good, like, sort of email, um, a, a good email, I mean, it's, it, this is almost not a podcast, it's like a, uh, like we're doing an editorial meeting or something, but uh, behind the scenes, look at how we do things, um, is that if we did a good, uh, like, sort of uh, template layout for how we send emails or something, I think, I think we, if we started to just basically commit to doing that consistently, I think we could, we would eventually get somebody who was good that we'd want to talk to who'd say yes because the advantage we got to do in spice fm is that i'm sure they'd let us use the studio and it's beneficial for them because we basically like if the studio my point is if the studio is free for an hour we figure out a date a time that suits everybody and we can go and get the keys and then we'll basically just broadcast it live and record it there and then and then then we pulled it off with bill bailey what did you tell me i did i i i that almost happened yeah um, I was talking to his secretary, and he actually like provisionally agreed to it. Right. And then, um, and then when I said to them, like, I like the, the the real issue came down to this was when we fir- when I first started, mm-hmm. and um, it basically came down to logistics of he was only in like Newcastle for one day. Yeah. And by the time I worked out, and I was like, shit, I'm going to have to find a space in Newcastle to record, and I just didn't have the quick wit to figure out where I could do it, and then I basically like, emailed, and I knew I was like, shit, I don't know what, I don't know what, where I can do this. So I emailed back and said, well, we could do it like, somewhere in the hotel room he's at or whatever like and i realized that like i knew once i said that i'd lost my opportunity because they would they would never i knew they would never agree to that yeah and it sounds shady yeah I, I think when i sent it i went that sounds shady and i was like i've really screwed this up because now um i would have probably like asked someone like alistair or something somebody that we knew now with our connections and went can we use so i'm saying this is why i think using that studio space would be a complete blessing because if we figured out who someone we would talk about mental like mental health related, mm-hmm. I really do think we could get some really good people to do pre records and then do it live on the air and spice yeah. and then say to them like we're just gonna record this and we're gonna use it for our proper show in whenever it would be and then 'cause because I think that's what we can't like 
you know, that's only once you become like established and well known to the point of people are willing to like come to to be on our show. Like, I think that's the next step we have to to push, mm-hmm. and I think it can happen. Yeah, I really yeah. do. Um, so anyway, yeah. So um, because uh, it's funny because Paul, you know, do you know about like? I mean, this is actually really relevant to Paul Merton because do you know like Paul Merton went to a psychiatric ward and everything? Yeah, yeah, I remember. Julian Clary. Oh, fifteen, yeah, fifteen odd years ago, where he, there was a documentary about him. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you're right. Julian Clary was like close pals with him, and um, I remember he was sort of uh, talking about it in his. He used to like pick him up outside the ward and stuff. He was saying. Yeah. He was the re- he actually was the one who convinced him to go. Um, yeah. yeah but, um, you know, if you think about the whole early whose line is anyway team, I mean, obviously we know about Stephen Fry's situation, but also like Tony Slattery. Mm-hmm. Um, they've all had sort of issues and um, a fellow bipolar disorder suffering. Yeah. Um, and um, they, I would have talking about a gig. I would have to go. I think it was, I think it was two years ago now. But at the, up at the end of a fringe, there was a. Uh, who's nine is anyway like uh, re- reunited? Yeah, so, you were the one who told me about that. I didn't know it was happening. Tony Slattery came back after all the oh, all the years. Clive uh, Anderson, don't it? Yeah. Greg Proops uh, came over from America, and um, I think Colin Mockery came over from Canada. It was, was like it the old Josie. Did Josie Lawrence do it? Uh, I think she might have. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think it was her. And I saw the because pic- I think I saw the picture, and I, Clive Anderson was hosting, and it was like the old school one. Yeah, and um, the other like regular in the original was um, John. John Sargent, no John, what's his name? Um, ah, oh, the the like sort of well-spoken one who kept doing Shakespeare references. Oh yeah, 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 John, yeah, yeah, yeah. John, it's John something, isn't it? I've got his first yeah. name right, but um, John. Oh God, I've completely forgot his name. But anyway, you know who he is. He's like the another one that started out on radio because on radio it was uh, with other people involved. It was like Lenny Henry and. Uh, Don French and, and that alternative comedy scene, and then when it came to TV, it even had the it even had like people people like Peter Cook and, and all them stuff on, like some classic actors and things. And John, Rory Se- John Sessions. Sorry, I had to, yes. I had to, I had to Google that because it was driving us crazy. <laughs> Rory, Rory McGraw and um, mm-hmm. um, Rory Bremner, of course, and stuff. Uh, yeah, it was one of my favorite '90s shows. One I remember with. Yeah, I mean, um, and and obviously then it became. I know we talked about who's lying before, probably a few years ago. But now, uh, like when we first started to do host hosted episodes, but um, um, yeah, um, obviously then became with Drew Carey the American version, which I know we've talked about because I remember you saying you didn't you didn't like the American one as much as the English one. Um, but it's a new post now. It's still going. It's it's. Yeah, uh, they revived it. Yeah, like a couple of years ago with um Ashia Tyler as the host. Right. Um, I don't know what she's like. I haven't seen it. But... She's okay. Um, she gets more involved than Drew does because Drew used to just do the last, the last game, was the kind of format. But she actually like gets up from her chair sometimes and scenes from her hat and does like a. It's very like free flowing, but um, I think that it, it obviously appeals because um. But they did do a show when when it was getting at its height here. Um, Clive Anderson took the show over there and they did some shows. It was. Like it, it was. Yeah. What actually happened was. So they did the very successful run here on Channel 4, and then they did one season of the English version in the American studio that they they, they then nicked to do the one with Drew Carey. So it was actually, the Who's Line was only actually really off air for like a year or something, and then Drew Carey like went, I want to revive it. And very very famously, um, Robin Williams appeared as well on a few shows. That's one of the best ones. Yeah, Robin Williams, I remember you appeared on um, Clive Anderson's Talks, Talks Back as Channel 4. <laughs> That's on YouTube. 
Yeah, it is, yeah. Um, not so long ago. Yeah, it's interesting. I actually liked it because he's quite calm in that interview compared to... Before Robin eventually went on uh, the show in America, but Clive said to him, we've been trying to get you on for ages to come on Whose Lines anyway. So then they did an improvised thing, like the, he got props under his desk and he got him to do like various yeah. skits. But yeah. I know Jonathan Ross did that on hit once on the Jonathan Ross thing where he made him do improvised people and he had like a, 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 a thing that... Uh, uh, like a, a machine, like almost like a fruit machine, and it, it 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 rotated and it had words on it, so it would be like uh, um, sarcastic Italian teacher. So uh, so all these words like came into a character, and you had to like pretend to be that character, and um, it was it was very it was pretty funny, um, and you can tell like how random, like how quick he can come up with something funny out of something random. He was he was so good. I mean, I mean, anyone listening to this knows you don't need someone as as lowly as as lowly as me and Ricky to say, oh, Robin Williams is good, you know. But um, he was amazing, and that Who's Line episode is very famous, as you just quite rightly said. Yeah. Um, I probably watch that once a year. That that's one of the few episodes of Who's Line I see regularly. Um, well, it's the it's the only American few of the American ones that you see because you can tell when. There, there is a gap between even with improv, the American humor and, and English humor. I always remember on a fan site um, when I first got online. One of the first things I got looked up was like whose lines anyway, like fan site. And oh. even the people in America were, were, were saying that the British shows are the best. They prefer yeah. our version than, than 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 their own. So yeah, um, yeah, I, I, I do. Yeah, I do think like um, kind of with when yeah with Drew doing it is that it, it was always like a sort of certain format and it felt a little bit like they were just the the, the downside is how many shows they have to make as well because you know I, I would um me and me and Haley were talking about this because I know like American podcasts and comedians and stuff always joke about this but it, I always think it's quality over quantity because yeah. we've talked about this before right because me and um Haley are no spoilers anyone um, cuz we watch in Baptiste which is a um which for those that don't know there was a very very good program on BBC called The Missing with um with James Nesbitt um which was really successful and they were made it was it was written by the Williams brothers um and they then did a spin-off because of uh, Julian Baptiste was the detective in The Missing was such a popular character he was played by the guy who was the uh, villain in Kiss from the Dragon, which is a really good Jet Li film. And he's yeah. called uh, Chachiro, I don't know how you say his name, but he, like, and he's like Turkish-French actor. Really great. So The Missing was so successful, they did a spin-off with that character called yeah. Baptiste, based on the character Julian Baptiste. And so we've watched five out of the six episodes, and we're like really involved and riveted. Um, but you think six episodes is what we do here for a drama pretty much quite a lot even comedy shows sometimes when you get six eight episodes maybe eight yeah. and then over in America the minimum they do is like 24 I know <laughs> and it's like and in, and in whose line it just was never off the air like it was just they made like hundreds of shows and hundreds of shows a year because they just filmed and filmed and filmed a day's worth of like material and then cut them all up it's like when you when so. you big bang theory for example you, you you think oh big bang's on i wonder which one it is and then it's got like series series like 10 episode 7 and you're like <laughs> am i supposed to remember what that? yeah it's, it, it's a bit like because i um one of the I, I wanted to make sure i mentioned this as well because i've been listening to some podcasts um because I, I know you've liked the tweets so i'm going to get to it in a second but um 
uh, one of the podcasts I'm listening to recently, and it's making me rewatch Star Trek, is there's a really good Star Trek uh, podcast I came across called Star Trek The Next Conversation. And it's with Matt Myra, who does Nerdist. Um, and I've really been enjoying that. But the reason I'm bringing this up in reference to what you just said, Star Trek The Next Generation, the second um, you know, series in the Star Trek universe, was so criticized in the first two seasons and this podcast is le- the only reason why i'm re-watching like series one and two of that show because for the majority of the episodes are terrible and that's the problem with doing that many is that they're under such uh pressure for content that that's why i do think the theory of the us doing six quality episodes in england and work and, and like you know we spend a week on one episode they spend like a few days on one episode like you know that's the kind of difference and that you get filler episodes in america where like you know clip shows and all this like a like a show where it's like a you know the like the hercules the hercules ones where like because kevin sobo was actually unhealthy and he was ill he was ill because he was ill because he he had a stroke during season so they would do all these clip shows of him being on a being being on a tree stump going i remember i beat up this guy then it cuts to a one from the previous season yeah. Because they're basically just trying to to save money, and you're like, well, if you're trying to save money and you do a terrible episode, why not just do less episodes? But that's not how America operates. So I do think it is quality over quantity sometimes in terms of what we do and what they do. I wonder that if that's one of the reasons why they have like a team of writers for for such things, because here it's either one writer or yeah. like a fact. But you see, that's why I, I, that's a very good point, because I think that's the reason some American shows are just really chaotic, and they've not got a purpose, because if you've got one person writing, like, you know, a great example of, uh, an example of what you're talking about is, um, the guy who does uh, Stephen Moffat, like Stephen Moffat, who did Coupling and Doctor Who, and, uh, Sherlock Holmes, and, um, Jekyll and Hyde, like, he just go, like, he literally, the people who he's worked with have went, he goes to the BBC and says, I want to do a remake of Jekyll and Hyde, alright then, how much do you think it's going to cost? Oh, I need this amount of money to make it, and BBC go, okay then, here's your money, tell us when it's finished. And they leave him to it, whereas, if, and he's the only one who writes it, whereas if you get, like, 12 writers, which is what a lot of people do, particularly on comedies, over in America, or sci-fi. The only ones that went against the grain somewhat was obviously Larry David. I think he was more or less the sole writer of Kirby Enthusiasm. And, Great um, show. And uh, was it was it uh, Shandling, the guy up behind uh, the Larry Standard? Uh, yeah, yeah, Larry Shandling. Yeah. Um, yeah. He was a bit of a. I mean, um, I don't know who he, who interviewed him, but he, there was one that interview where he was a bit of a prick. Um, oh, Ricky Gervais. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, oh, really? What yeah, was yeah. it? What was it again? Well, Ricky Gervais did a Ricky Gervais meets series where that's he interviews right. his, his, that's his right. yeah, yeah, yeah. heroes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one with Larry David and others like Harry Shearer and uh, I think it's Harry Shearer and Christopher Guest mm-hmm. all went really well. But when he went into Shanling's gaff, he was a bit of an arse. He didn't even offer Ricky a, 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 a drink. It was in his house, wasn't it? And you couldn't get he, him to sit down. He was in his kitchen. Yeah. And he was like, no, I'm all right, thanks. This is like... <laughs> yeah, he was. He was really weird. He seemed to have a chip he, on his shoulder. Yeah. You know, Ricky. Uh, he was dressed in all black, and it was almost <laughs> like he took offence that he didn't like offer to dress up more nicely for the occasion. Like you know, uh, yeah, weird. Well, that sounds like someone who's got a big head and wanted to be still a big deal. You tell Ricky just wanted wanted to get it finished and over yeah, with. Yeah, 
Yeah, so, I remember that. I remember that being really awkward. I didn't. I forgot it was Ricky Gervais. So well, well remembered. Um, but yeah. Um, so yeah, the other podcast I've been listening to, which I saw you like the tweet of. And I've looked into this, and as far as I know, um, because I I think you I don't know if you're curious about the context, because I saw you, you saw that I tweeted Will, Will Wheaton. Yep. Yeah. Um. Sure. And so yeah, the context behind that, which I think hopefully might be interesting for people to hear, is he does a show every now and again. It's just a podcast he does for fun called Radio Free Burrito, and he yeah. he has like obs- he plays obscure music that he's able to play because he either knows the band or something like that or he, or it, it's in a, in a creative comp it's like in a a licensed a royalty free license that they don't charge you to play it yeah. so it's kind of like a sort of that's why it's called radio free burrito because it's a free to listen to it's on his mm-hmm. website and everything and this is not this is just a free plug because it's a good it's it he does it every now and again and i enjoy it Mm-hmm. And so when I was out the other day, I downloaded a more most a more recent episode because he, he only does them every now and again. It's not like regular. Yeah. And I listened to one, and he was like, he hadn't done one in over in like round about over a year. Mm-hmm. And so for the first twenty minutes, he talks very eloquently. And I know, and I know, Ricky, that you know that he's talked about mental health before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really resonated with me because he talked about. I mean, I'm paraphrasing, and this is why what I what I tweeted to him about was just to be courteous, really, because I wanted to tweet him to say, and I might see if he actually his podcast has got a separate email because I think it does. Yeah. I might just send an email to him because I think it'd be easier for him to read it rather mm-hmm. than through all his millions of tweets he probably gets a day. Mm-hmm. I just want to, I just out of out of politeness and 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 thing just want to say is it okay for me to do this i think it's okay anyway because i think his podcast is on a creative commons license so as long as we as lo- like ours is so as long as we quote where it's from yeah and play it and say like this is from this and this is will i i so i i um, think i should uh, my goal was to try and convince you for this then the next show we're doing is to play some bits from it and i'm gonna like edit it down and stuff and see if we can play it because obviously will's like a big celebrity and like sort of particularly in geek culture like a real geek renaissance guy and he basically says the summary is without spoiling it because you obviously if we want to do that then we can hear it we can hear it um on mentally sound in particular it's just that he said about the struggle and said that it you know he talked about the fact that he could do very little over the course of the year and he felt miserable and he felt like he you know he felt like everything he did was not creatively fulfilling and he felt like particularly because of the trump administration that he he very funny he very funny said he said it's like being in uh being in america right now is like being in a foster in foster care with a dad you don't want to be around and that's and i i I, something like that and i think i i laughed because i thought it was a very apt description of um, him yeah yeah so anyway um he then went on to talk about like mental health in a general sense and said like what people should do and offer a bit of advice and he talked about his struggles and how he was feeling and then he said something to me which i thought was very um powerful and then he basically said that you go for a period of time with your mental health where you just survive mm-hmm. and you just feel like you're just like sort of getting through the day and you 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 feel like um there's no like sort of way of feeling any better and and but then you, you then you hit some sort of brick wall eventually when you realize like i can he's like i can and i think this is what people how why people get into ruts is they go 
it's better to survive than be like sort of afraid of dealing with something but then it's not in the long term because he's like you can either be in this foster family and be miserable and accept that it'll get better one day but not enjoy being around in the meantime or you can face that feeling head on yeah. and actually like realize that it, you know you, you you've only got limited number of days in your life and you want to be as happy as you can at the time that you're feeling it mm-hmm. and so he basically and he said one of his apprehension as well as like for example with medication because of the fact that it is a very trial and error process and he said like so he described that i remember him talking about this a long time ago where he said like oh one one tablet he took was really beneficial He's, he's tried a couple of others during his lifetime and it's um, not quite worked or they worked for a little bit and then he's like tried a more recent one that he was on for quite a while and then he sometimes doesn't take tablets because he feels okay and he realizes that like he basically just needed to go to his therapist and he's like be, and realized he was fortunate enough to have money to do this and go go to his like therapist and say I don't feel right my brain's like attacking me and I can't deal with it appropriately so tell me what i need to do mm-hmm. um and i just like i'm really butchering it not very well because it, he says that a lot more eloquently and i'm just paraphrasing it but i was listening to this on a bus on my way around uh, like sort of newcastle and it really really hit home for me um and i'm not in that place i feel like i'm in a very good place and i'm very happy with my life and i'm fortunate i don't feel like that but part mm-hmm. of the reason i'm passionate about the stuff that we talk about and do mentally sound and stuff is that that example and like i don't know how many listenerships his podcast guests he kind of jokes that like you know he only does this now and again so he just does it for the fun has he got an official diagnosis i mean has he revealed um, clinical depression okay um and clinical depression and anxiety so he has like sort of crippling anxiety and like um clinical depression um uh that he says just makes him feel very down and um down in the dumps and stuff and I can understand what he means because when you're depressed and stuff, you feel like nothing creative feels fulfilling. And that's really dangerous when you basically... Gunnar Roxon, who you know is going to be on the next Mentally Sound we do, we did a pre-record, who was on the last podcast on here, said that like if you're creative, which I I, I will say for the benefit of both of us, that I think we both are creative. I mean, you're, you do a job that's very creative. Um, is that um, Is that, yeah, that I... Like, you you if you usually creative people if they can do anything else that makes them as happy as being creative you're probably better off not doing the creative thing and doing the other thing because he's probably more sustainable mm-hmm. you do the creative thing and i'm int- intrigued to know if you feel like this you do the creative thing because basically you can't not you don't want like you can't not do it it's like a desire and a need to be creative that you can't not be creative because it would be like you'd feel unfulfilled forever yeah. Do you do you agree with that notion? I think so. I mean, my roots in all this was like when when in my teenage years I didn't really um uh could find a fulfilling thing which you know, everyone had something that they were good at or they had a talent or they nurtured something. Obviously as kids we, we you know, you're into football, we you know, we were at a, a football match recently. Um I'm sure you had the same dreams as I had, was to, you know, scoring the winning goal and all that stuff. And then, I don't know, it, it, it happened weird for me. I, I enjoyed drawing. I enjoyed being creative because, for me, it released, released me of all the stresses that all the other subjects made. I mean, I, I wasn't very good at maths. Um, I found other sort of subjects quite boring, some interesting, some boring. 
but but doing art it, it made me although not initially because at least I thought well at least I can just get get out down and draw and not have the hassle of having to think very hard mm-hmm. and I and it felt very liberating but it wasn't until high school when a teacher who I thought might be a bit of a might be a bit sort of a uh, a bit of a I'm not trying to use good language here <laughs> you can say whatever you want mate it's, a, it's the over 18 version okay I thought it might be a bit of a twat if I didn't try hard enough so in a sense, in a sense he, he kind of like okay I, I, so I tried hard on on the notion that I might I might get on the back end back end of his sort of uh, rile you know his his, his 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 wrath so I was like so I I kind of like pushed myself that way, and I thought, oh, good. this is something good for you. I'm good at. Um, but yeah, there there are times, and sadly, where if you are if you do have a mental health condition, the it's like writer's block. You 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 get those notions where it just doesn't come. Yep. And 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 you do you do you do get really down and out about it, and you your your to use the the cliche your creative juices end up drying up and you and you think well is this worth it was it was it a a one off thing and then you start questioning your your talent you say obviously i don't have the obviously i don't have the 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 fuel the the know how to carry on as this is a lifelong talent it was just something maybe temporary and then you start questioning your own beliefs and then you start looking at other things well should i should i change direction or should i just sort of finish it all so i, I get where he's coming from certainly depression anxiety has uh kind of uh stomped in the way although saying that to some extent that there are there are ways in which things like that can 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 traject you into um propelling i mean you know writers for example uh, might talk about their their deepest and darkest uh, times and 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 uh, get creative that way. It depends what you're in and it depends you know. Obviously, within design, I'm I'm doing stuff on the behalf of clients, so it's not like it's not as if I can put my own deepest thoughts and feelings and and how I am uh, into that kind of work because you have to answer a brief, you're not answering yeah. your own brief. That's but you can yeah. you can some in some ways allow that to influence you in some ways. I remember one job interview I went to, um, which was down in Reading, and this was like um, 2003 or four, something like that. And it, he was the first person. It was it was a horrid interview. I mean, I couldn't wait to get out. I remember it being stifling hot, and I knew I knew the guys weren't in, you know uh, um, interested in, in my work, but they did say it was quite dark, and that was the only. The only people who described it, but then they said the way, but the the only credit I did come with it was when they said the way you describe your work was quite lucid, and I'll give you that. Um, they were just some like creative consultancy, and they. <laughs> I thought you were going to say someone else. <laughs> <laughs> there was some creative. To... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they converted this like barn in the middle of a field out in the stick somewhere into this like house for the uh, you know. Design house or something, and, and I, I didn't fit their remit. But anyway, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, that that doesn't mean your that that's no that's no reflection on you. I hope you know that. I think so. But yeah, I mean, so in some ways it has influenced it. Um, in some right. ways it's it's really dried it up. But mm-hmm. like you say, um, you know, it's like a conversation we had recently. Sometimes our own vulnerability uh, in some ways has become our strength hence yeah. the show and everything so, I was um, just about to say that that that's what I was just about to, to get on to is that when you were saying that which I think was fabulous points is to say that um 
a, a good comparison in in relation to that feeling you have of like being creative and it drying up and you're not like something's not coming to you. I think the thing that gives you hope is realize that anyone who's ever been creative has had that feeling before and they consistently have to deal with it so you're not like alone in that sense and that's why to compare that to mental health which is what we originally started talking about um like depression and anxiety and all that sort of thing is that you find that if you talk to anyone who's been in that a similar position to you is that they feel that way as well um you know mental health anyone who has any mental health issues feels similar i mean um, I did like what uh, was it Hope that said on our podcast? Not I am um, not on not Hope. It was um, it was uh, Laura, wasn't it? Who said that she doesn't like people who say I understand how you feel. Was it her that said that, or was it another guest? Um, Do you remember who said that? It, um, I'm talking about Melody Sound on last Friday because we did it two days ago. Might have been Laura as of this yeah. recording. But anyway, there was a guest on our show on Friday. I don't know who which one it was. Who just said that? I think it was Laura because she was talking about how to help people with PS support. Well, was it not? Um, yeah, but wasn't there also the guests that you found, the Ian and Darren, that they said that you know, particularly when it comes. Oh to them- yes, it was Darren. Yeah, I think it might have been Darren. I think you might be right. Yeah, because yeah. he said something along the lines of, if 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 we're wrong, obviously once that podcast gets released, you can listen to it. But um, the basic gist, anyway, that I'm getting at was he said. There's far too many people when you're helping someone recover from a, a horrible situation that says, I understand what yeah, you're going yeah. through. I um, think it definitely was, Darren. Yeah, because I think we were comparing the fact that he obviously, which we said afterwards, which I think was fascinating, is that we talked to them and they had cerebral palsy. I think Ian's got cerebral palsy as well. I Forgive me, Ian, if I'm wrong on that regard, but they're going to be on Geek Apocalypse at some point soon. And um, so we'll on on this podcast, so we'll talk to them in more detail. But what we noticed on Mentally Sound on Friday when we did it live was that uh, we didn't actually talk to them about physical ailments at all. It was all about mental health, mm-hmm. as in the mental limitations from having a physical condition. And I thought, which we talked about afterwards, was we I thought was an interesting angle to go down mm-hmm. because that's. And I said that's a bit like when we talk about our mental health conditions and realize like the benefit that the the limitations it does on your physical well-being as well that people don't want to acknowledge because they think well if it's all mental that's all that, that you're affect that's all that's affected which is nonsense. Yeah. Um, so that I I found that discussion really really quite gratifying and also the um, I don't know how you felt about it but learning about kinship care which I knew yeah. nothing yeah. about. Yeah, that was um, great to you. Uh, you, you, you did really well there. I, I, the guests that you found, I thought, was really interesting. The well, thank you. Well, like, well uh, as I say, I learned. I learned from the best, Ricky. Cause, uh, <laughs> you know, that was one of. Uh, I'm not like you know that was one of like however many shows we've done where you've booked the guests. So, you, you know, know. What, going back to the point we made earlier, it's like mm-hmm. you know sometimes even with creative people, life just gets in the way as it does with everybody, and yeah. sometimes you just halt. I remember. I'd, I'd recommend you if you haven't seen it, but. Um, I'm not. I'm not a huge, huge fan of the band, but I do like them in a way. You know, you know the Cure. Yeah, sorry. The the Cure, are like a sort of a post-punk sort of band, who um, probably more, probably more admired within the sort of goth scene, seen as as one of the the sort of um, I love the Cure. Sorry. That scene. Ah, you and, went away from the mic a second because the me dog got up. But I continue. And um, he get a he gave a really good interview because the Cure are being celebrated at this award ceremony recently, and, and, oh, nice. and the in, the interview went viral, Great. and uh, the the interview was said to Robert Smith, the singer, the the, the frontman, and said like, um, "So you did this, this, and that, and you did this, this, and that." 
and then we hadn't heard you from a while. And uh, I think the interviewer was trying to hopefully trying to get in some, like, was there something going on there, like underneath, like creatively, like there was waiting to sprout out or something. And Robert Smith just like looked at her and just said, you know, just life gets in the way and you just got to accept it and move on and yeah. hope that you bounce back. And, and well, this is actually, and then uh, I'm I'm going to open the floor to you because I know I'm uh, like I'm keeping an eye on the time and we're okay for now, but um. But yeah, because because obviously like one of the things that the reason we do like a sort of um a catch up ho- like sort of hosted episode is to kind of just discuss stuff that we that's happened in, in between, and the thing that I um because uh, we touched on this with uh, when I spoke to Gunnar, the last guest I've had on here about and I know I think there's a little bit of it on the mentally sound pre record we're going to play next Friday, but it was basically about because he just had a daughter. Right. Um. So we were talking about the comparison about that and how it affects you in mental in a mental health sense. And what you come to realize is, and I was just literally while we while I was waiting for you to come uh, online to to start doing this, I was just chatting to my to to, to my partner Haley, and um we were talking about like so because we always reflect on how we're doing being parents and how our daughter's doing and all that sort of thing. Yeah. And I found myself going, I was saying to Haley like. Human beings are very silly sometimes in the way they look at things because we're very nitpicky in terms of being, and you know, and you can tell a person's mental health and in terms of how they're doing and how they and their happiness and all that, and all that sort of stuff by how they talk to you about certain things. Because yeah. I was saying to Ricky before we started doing this that when we 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 went to a party for Easter for um uh, Haley's niece who's just turned three, um. So and it was sort of like an Easter party as well, thrown into the mix because uh, as well. So all of like Haley's family, and obviously I'm part of Haley's family. Um, we went to we went to like a party. Um, and the things people say to you, like which kind of implied, which are which are like like completely unnecessary to say. Like for example, like so our daughter because she's only over just over five months went to like a play area where like you know you can be you can be that age and be allowed in but a lot of it's just holding her because she can't go into a ball pen she can't go into anything by herself because she can't even walk yet yeah. so there's no real value for her being there other than we're going there to show our support to our niece and see the kids thinging around and whatever and then you get like passing comments from people who are there who are like you know when the baby starts crying going the baby's crying as if like you have like a running commentary, like you need a person to be like, like I wanted to go. Um, you see over there, what? There's a person buying a drink at the cafe. <laughs> like, why do you need to say that? Like, I think there's so many people who don't, who don't think before they speak, and they think because they don't know you or don't know you very well or don't know you at all or whatever that they have to fill a silence with something so, so ridiculously obvious. And it drives me up the wall, and it happens so much when you're a parent. Because yeah. it was like when she was crying, and like you know we try everything, and then they become like Sherlock Holmes, and they go, "Have you considered taking her for a walk?" <laughs> and then you like go, "We like without them paying any attention to the fact that we just came in and put the pram back where it was because we'd just been for a walk to try and get her to calm down." And then they go, have you been for a walk? Because they're like born idle and they want to like judge you for it. And it's like, you don't need to say these things. And the reason I'm, the reason I'm saying all this as examples, this is a point to this, isn't it? In terms of saying, it's like when a person goes to you 
like you see one example of a person not doing that well in something and then you nitpick to the point of you keep bringing up that that the thing that they're not doing that one thing that they're not doing correctly whereas you are nowhere near grateful for all the 99 other things that the person does that are wonderful and they're and they're not that they're good people and they do the right thing because i always say to Haley, it's annoying when you hear these things because if you had bad mental health you would yeah. feel like like if we weren't we weren't uh, supportive of each other and all that sort of stuff I worry about parents who are like more stressed than we are and in worse situations than us because we're fortunate we've got each other, and obviously we've got like friendships like you know friends like yourself and 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 we've got family very supportive, but I think of like the single mom who's like not slept for ages and like is, and has got two other kids and I, and that the that dad's left left them and she's got to do this all by herself and then yeah. she gets one arsehole of a of a stranger who who judges them. For, for 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 not like right at that second going can you just quiet that baby because uh, they're irritating the shit out of me because you're in a public place and it's just like because i was saying uh, so the great thing about communicating and realizing how you are to people and your negative mindset like that example is to go like me and Haley always go but 99.9 cent of the time our daughter is really well behaved and we're really happy and so I guess that was the whole reason I was saying all this is to say, compared to the last time me and you spoke on here on a hosted episode, not that the, not that things were bad. I mean, but there were, but, but and there's obviously roadblocks along the way. But the whole reason I'm saying all this is to say, any example you can give or any subject matter or any situation in life, there's pros and cons to everything. <laughs> and really, what you realize is that you have to work on how you deal with things. In an emotional sense, anything, not not one particular example, how what your attitude is to how you deal with things, yeah. and then you find if you work on that, then you can kind of handle more situations that are thrown at you if you deal with the attitude, not deal with how you feel about one thing. The worst um, one I found really hard and really, um, I, and I think I've mentioned you before. Well, not name names of. There's a certain couple of people who've said this to me, like, um, okay, is when they said. Because of my anxiety, they'll say, "Oh, you're quiet," and they're like, "Look at you." God, like that's, the, God, that's, that's horrible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've had people really close to me say that, and and uh, uh, yeah. Do I they mean, say why are you quiet? Well, it's we'll be having whatever a conversation, and and the the people who said it know that I have a diagnosed anxiety condition, and so there's reasons behind why I might be quiet. But they look at you as if it's almost like the scoring points. Like I've I've made. <laughs> I've made a I've made a really good point and you've got no answer to it, so I'm going to drive it home even further to say you're quiet. It's, it's sort of like saying I've won. Mm-hmm. It's like well, I've stumped you. I also but, find I also find the worrying. Sorry, there was a bit of a there was a bit of a delay there. What were you saying? Uh, the Americans say you're stymied, isn't it? Is that those phrases they use? The stymied. I've never heard of that. No. I think uh, I've heard it on Big Bang a couple of times. Oh, okay. okay. Um. Uh, the other, uh, I've I've lost what were, I've lost. I lost my train of thought there, but because um, because I, I was like making sure I was just making sure that you did that you do your, your point was heard because I might have accidentally uh, went over it. But yeah, um, but uh, yeah, it's just it, it's um, I'm trying to think what I was trying to think what my point was there. What what um, what was this in relation to that we were just talking about now? It was um, when people make certain points like they're being yeah. condescending when they yeah when yeah. My brain's uh, my brain's going against me. Um, um, can't remember what it was I was going to say, but um, it'll it's back, fine. Come back, we'll move on to it'll come back. back. Yeah, I'm sure it will. But um, but yeah, it's just the uh, 
it's just the the like human the the thing I was sort of thinking, but I'm trying I was trying to think what my what the the, the way in was in relation to what you just said. But it was to do with just basically that human beings are the are the are the, are the king of wanting things. Oh, that was it. Thank you. There you go. I was just trying to fill in the void, people. So I was just trying. It was a bit. I was trying to fill in the silence. Um, Ricky, why are you so shit at things? I was filling the silence. <laughs> Sorry, that's just the thing. Cause it's like, yeah. You might as well say that because that's how it feels some, sometimes when people say that. It's it's like, yeah, just. Yeah, so but the, the joke I was making there is that that was the thing I was getting at is do you feel, I'll ask you this directly instead of just say, making a statement, is do you feel that the reason people behave like that is because you're not conforming to what their expectation is? Do you see I what I'm? Do you see what I mean? What I'm asking? Yeah, I think there's a, there's an element of that. It's um, I think it's 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 a feeling. Oh, we're, we're just back now. Um, there there was a little bit of a cut off there with the recorder, so I don't know. So, um, we've just listened to it back, and uh, what it cut off, Ricky, was you. Talk, I asked you about. Do you think? Which is good. I asked you directly now because we can we can we can intertwine it back. Is to say, do you think? Um, that people are, have a certain expectation of how you're going to be when they sort of treat you the way that you mentioned earlier? I think, yes. I think when it comes to... Um, when they say, why are you being so quiet? That's what we're talking about, yeah. So. Yeah, so it's like... Um, with, I guess when you're at a, at a certain structure with people, uh, chemistry and all that, there's a bar that's raised. And... With anxiety, and I'm sure with other mental health conditions as well, if you for if you are, you know, if you're going through a bad episode or if you have a, an anxiety attack, whether it's a big, a big or heavy or mild, you you need that pause, you need that dropping down, and and sometimes if if it's a person who's who's communicating with you who doesn't sh- doesn't show any any sort of like compassion or empathy as to what you're going, despite knowing that the that the they know that you have something there. Um, it's almost it, it is a very condescending attack in a way that he says you're quiet. Therefore, have I have I de- made a declaration of a point that that you can't answer back to, or have you is it have you sort of like lost your trail of thought? Is it is it, is your condition behind it? And it's almost like saying I've won. Um, it's a bit like because um, I was talking about this earlier, and like, I'll I'll be upfront about this, and because you know, um, I, I, this is being honest, not being critical, but it's a bit like because um, we talk about obviously when I'm mentally sound about how we uh, care for our moms, and the the example I want to give about my mom that I really that was very um, detrimental to me growing up, and it, it really took me a long time to get over. And I don't think my mom realised that, like this, like, because what I'm basically getting at is the people who 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 talk to people and deal with people like the, like you, like the word you, what you just mentioned as an example, are people who don't really uh, care about the consequences of what they're saying, and they're not all they're not they're either ignorant to the consequences and how like and how much it can affect people, or they're just plain ignorant in terms of they don't think there is a consequence at all. Um, to what they say that it doesn't like it doesn't matter. Foreign points in the end of the day as well. It's like then there's no need for it. Yeah. I mean, it, it goes back to the old thing, you know, um, the man up culture, and they say that yeah. oh, you should, should be able to take it, you know, even if I make a derogatory comment or whatever it might be, um, just deal with it, move on, man up. But but I think for for sensitive people, uh, I regard you as quite sensitive as much as I am in a way because yeah. of what both deal with. Sometimes that point can really 
stick and it, it can like um it can forever be like a negative uh thing that hangs over us um, See, i think like if you looked at things stereotypically i was saying this to Haley earlier is that um I would much rather say to somebody that man, if you use a stereotypical view of manning up, which is like, again, like what men get thrown at a lot with mental health, I think it's much more manly in the stereotypical sense to deal with things head on rather than pretend they're not existing, which is what a lot of people do with the way that they condescendingly treat things, is they're not dealing with something difficult. And I think that's much more courageous and manly to... And to and, and to be like this is me and this is who I am and I'm dealing with something. I I I don't think just like stereotypically manly the way that people perceive it is like you know, you know, uh, chopping down a bits of wood or something or being muscly or like having this appearance of being manly in that sense is not manly at all. I I, I think manly is like what what what's in your soul and how you treat people and how you deal with stuff and and tackling things head on and being courageous and that that that's being manly. Mm-hmm. So that's when you said earlier about you know when people like you you know you said this on mentally sound so I don't think I'm breaching any trust when you like there's people in Ricky you said about like you talked about it last Friday on mentally sound about people saying that you're vulnerable when you sit when people say vulnerable that they they they, they they see it as a criti- almost like a criticism of saying like why are you so vulnerable? Mm-hmm. Um, vulnerability is a wonderful thing um, because you should treat anything that it's true and like which is why you know when we shoot the breeze, which I think I was wanting to call this episode of the podcast because you were talking about that phrase uh, the other day. I think yeah. it's a good head. I think it's a good title for this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the word just shooting the breeze, which if you don't get it, just Google it. Um, just basically means thinking, thinking on you, thinking as you go. Um, is yeah, it's it's being vulnerable is a good quality because you're basically admitting that you're not perfect and you're dealing with things and you you that's that's half of life. So if you don't deal with your vulnerabilities, you're not dealing with half of what you go through. Exactly. Yeah. Um, right. Because it reminds me of a conversation that we had with. Do you remember Jason, the soldier? Mm-hmm. He. Oh yeah. I guess. I guess when you're in the army, it's 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 almost the the ultimate um, man up sort of environment. And whenever to avoid any conversations or dealings with with um, what they might be going through, obviously he he had difficulties um, coping with his trauma of all the flashbacks he was getting, which yep. obviously, as we know, is PTSD. Um, so we were, we were, we were like saying that, um, we should, uh, we should deal with them. But in their case, it was just a case of going down the pub and drinking away their problems, like making it disappear yeah. that way. Um, do you, like, before I forget to tell you this as well, because I was re-watching it and I, I forgot to tell you at the time, because do you, have you heard of Star Trek Discovery, the new Star Trek series? Uh, it's on Netflix. Um, no. <laughs> well, okay. Well, I'll I'll explain. Uh, so, so it's a it's sort of a prequel. It it's set, it's set somewhere around Kirk, like okay. sort of fifty years before Kirk, I think it is, which means right. that Spock's alive. Right. Because okay. Spock, because Spock last uh, the Vulcans lived two hundred years. I'm sure you know Star Trek a little bit. Do you know these characters roughly? Do you know who okay. Spock is? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, so anyway, so this is the re- most recent series, Star Trek Discovery, and the re- the, I'm I'm pointing this out because I think you might find what I'm about to say a little bit in intertwined in this a little interesting. Okay. Um, uh, because I think this will resonate with you a lot. Is the and I forgot about this, and I should have I should have talked about it at the time I first watched it. Mm-hmm. Is there's a character in Star Trek Discovery that has PTSD? 
Okay. Because what happens to him, spoiler alert if anyone's not seen this and are in the middle of watching it, but it's because season two's out now. But um, the the main guy, uh, the, the this guy ends up on the ship like halfway through the first season because they they save him from the Klingons who basically um have because the at war with the Klingons in this in this series. And they've tortured him for ages and months and months and months that he's got loads of scar tissue underneath and they've, they've like changed his limbs and stuff. It's like really, really like horrible. Yeah. And so when he ends up joining the crew because the captain really likes the fact that he's very like, um, no nonsense and he's got it and he's got a grudge because it's war and you need people like that. He even tells them that I need people like you who's got a problem with the enemy. Right, okay. Um, which is interesting in itself. But what you find over the course of the next few episodes is he gets to go on, like, missions and stuff, and he gets frozen by the fact that he has flashbacks to the torture of what he went through, and he gets frozen that he can't help people, and he just uh, sits there, and he can't, like, he's not being... He just freezes and can't help his crew. Um, and he basically, like, they, they really deal with it head-on. As a, as a mental health issue, which is interesting because um, I think Star Trek deserves praise for that. But anyway, I just remind, it reminded me of that to say I should tell you about it because I think in terms of a sci-fi, like, very well-known type show, I'm really, it's really, I think, I personally think it's really well done. Yeah, and maybe I should find some clips for you to watch and see what you think. Yeah. Um, but um, anyway, I just thought of that as something I wanted to tell you. Um, but yeah, um but the thing I was saying about my mum, which I, really, I never finished that thought, was to say, and I'm curious to know if you, you can, well, you don't have to name, maybe name, name specific examples, but this is an example, I think, of where sometimes people fail in, in again, this this idea of that like, your consequences has an action, has a, a like a, a, has bad consequences, literally, yeah. is that, um, my mum, for example, used to do this, and my auntie told me this a few years ago, that like, she would get phone calls off family members saying that, like, I was horrible. Like, I was a horrible person, and I was lazy, and I didn't do shit for my mom and all this sort of stuff. And okay. it used to really upset me, quite obviously, mm-hmm. because I knew how hard I worked and how much of an emotional, like, a feeling I did to make to help my mom through my certain situations. And as you, as you know, being a friend of mine, that still is like that to this day. Yeah. And... So what my mom did, which was hugely detrimental to me in my relationship with my outside family, and I'm just being blunt with this because I have a good relationship with my family now, but I'm saying this shows you the danger of um, bitching about people, and and the only thing you talk about is the negative. And so I'm encouraging anyone listening to this as if you've got a grudge over somebody, and more to the point, if you've got a grudge over somebody and don't tell them, that's your problem not theirs because they don't know about it yeah. so you, you're you responsible for the fact that that grudge is becoming like an ongoing long term problem because you're not having the respect enough to deal with said problem but what my mom used to do is that when my sister or brother used to call she used to go and nit- nitpick the one thing that that day that I didn't do <laughs> yeah. and that's all she would talk about yeah. Which meant that I would get phone calls from my sister and brother saying, why are you being such a lazy shit? Why haven't you done this like mom told us to? I've Not been, yeah. without, no, yeah, exactly. I know. I knew that's why I wanted to t- talk to you about this because I knew you would understand this. And feel free to say your own opinion if you want to. Is um like your own story, but like 
I don't think people understand to finish this point how detrimental and damaging that is to relationships because I think of you see part of having dignity and respect for someone you love going through a difficult thing mm-hmm. is that my mom when you know my she split from my dad and everything and ha- it clearly had depressive episodes and was very found it difficult to cope with things i'm not saying this to make my my family or anything if anyone does listen to this or whatever feel bad this is just the on i I realize as i'm getting older i need to talk about this more openly Mm -hmm. for the benefit of people listening who go okay i like because i say to this now to my partner with luna my daughter and say i don't want her to ever experience this type of thing Mm -hmm. is basically um so my mom going he didn't do this but nobody asked me the context of saying that, like, but I was working full-time, I started Geek Apocalypse around about this time, and what about all that, like, and, and the dignity and respect you have for a loved person or anyone in your life who you care about is to not pick up the phone and say, I'm really pissed at this person and just rant about how horrible that person is because you need to remember all the stuff that they do that's good for you. Are you saying that it's more, therefore, it's more toxic just to yeah. allow, just to not let it release? So if you kept it in a bottle, metaphorically speaking, within, mm-hmm. within yeah. you, mm-hmm. that it's more toxic over time not to at least try and deal with it and express it. And um, well, uh, it's, it. It, yeah, it is toxic in that sense, most definitely. But also, the real hard part about keeping your dignity and respect for people is that I chose not to deal with it in the sense of because I didn't want it to be. I didn't want to be like they were being. So what I mean is, is I wouldn't ring my sister up and do that whole game of where you go, but my mom does this and my mom does that, and you know no one cares about the fact that my mom's horrible to me because I do believe in the idea of like you know helping somebody and not doing that because I know how horrible it is. Yeah. But if you think about the consequence of not dealing with it, it means that it reinforces for a long time that they keep having them conversations and then they have a pre-judgmental attitude to you that you're not doing the things you're supposed to and you're lazy and because yeah. you're, you're, you've not challenged them for that with that pre-judgment. Yeah. It's really hard because what I'll say now being older and knowing that this has a consequence by saying this, but saying it in a way to go, look, this is how families can break apart and the truth not be told. Mm-hmm. My mom used to tell me, would used to say to me, like, and I love my mom to bits now, and I have a good, great relationship with my mom now, and I want to help her, and I'm a primary carer, and I want to help her because she looks after me, and she was a wonderful, she's a wonderful mom. I say, well, she is a wonderful mom. Um, but I'm saying decisions you make without thinking of the consequences can be years detrimental and make someone feel unbelievably bad. Yeah. This is a great example of this and the most personal one that I can think of is because um, my mom used to say something like, I wish you weren't born, like you were an accident. She used to say stuff like, um, well, who gives a fuck what you do because God's here for me because my mom's a religious person. I'm an atheist and I think she always resented the fact that we weren't, uh, we weren't, we, 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 we all went against religion. Um, all my, me and my siblings, are, none of us are religious. And so the reason I'm saying all this, quite honestly, is to say not to make you think that I hate my mom or whatever, because I've obviously learned to understand that and put it to one side and and move on with it and and appreciate my mom for who she is and what she did for me in a good way. 
but it's a really, really, really hard, and then Ricky, you can say what you want, is that it's really, really hard to be in that position because I could have easily like rang people up and said that's bollocks and my mom's horrible or whatever it is but you get because you're the son and the offspring they have that thing of whatever their mom says that they deal with it on face value and they, and a lot of the time when people act like that mm-hmm. that you're both responsible that it's not just one person but they choose to deal with it by bitching at you and bringing somebody else into the equation I think more people should say it's none of my business what yeah. is happening between you two and if you are got a problem you need to iron it out with the person you've got a problem with and not bring other people in mm-hmm. because it led to several years of me being very disrespected and and i felt like i never got not that i'm looking for credit but just i never felt like i got credit for the amount of effort i put in i think my mom not to blow my own trumpet, but I do think this is true, and I think this is as honest as I can get. I think my mom would have regressed with her illness a lot more if yeah. I hadn't have helped her the way that I did. I think so, what you're saying as well, in in some ways, um, so again, it, it relates to the the discussion we had with the kinship care person yeah. the the last show. Yep, you sound just how challenging caring could be because uh, when you think about because carers' mental health sometimes doesn't get put into um, perspective what they go through. And as you say, I mean, I remember my, my granddad, um, when he was suffering with tuberculosis, um, now that deals with the particular toxic um, uh, toxins get into a certain part of the brain where it unleashes like a whole horde of, th- of things where they wouldn't be expected to say the vile, the most graphic. Now imagine someone having to deal with that all the time, constantly being put down, yeah. and yet still having to remain professional and 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 do mm-hmm. the, the 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 work that they have to do. Um, good, good example. Uh, I remember yeah. a friend, an old friend of mine. I don't see her anymore, but I used to work with her. She was an activist, and she was a social uh, worker until one 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 point she got punched in the face by by the person she was looking after but she had, unfortunately wow. had to, understandably had to quit her job um but the others who probably had that as well but decided to stick it through and i don't think they get the uh, the credit they deserve and as you say when you're dealing with within the family um we both cared for people within within the family um imagine how tough it is there because there's someone you love Mm-hmm. But you no, know, sometimes it's that's not them that's talking. That that it's uh, some other motivation that's going on. That then uh, you just have to try and remember that at the time. See, I know that, like, because I know that, that this is stuff you've been experiencing recently, which uh, you know you can go into if you want. But um, uh, I think the other aspect to this, which is interesting and a very honest one, is it's an, all the examples we're just touching on now are reinforcing that a person has to deal with their own issues and not rely on another person to be the source of their happiness and the source of them dealing with stuff because I'll I'll only speak from like my experience with my mom but like my mom's approach to things and the way that she copes uh, is by not coping and sort of like burying her head in the sand for a lot of the stuff. I mean obviously our Parkinson's and all the stuff that she deals with now is not her fault. I'm not saying that at all. But you've got to have some sort of responsibility by the fact of 
I realise now, having got out of that situation a few years ago, and obviously this is the reason our relationship's good now, is that it was talk that I like the fact that you used the word toxic, really, because I think you're absolutely right. The other side of it being toxic is if a person is suffering from mental health issues or whatever and is not dealing with the reason that they feel that way, yeah, that they often deal with it. This is why I think you get violent relationships. This is why you get emotional friendships and you get like a, a situation where they lean on you so much but they're not actually um dealing with how they feel about themselves and well, what and what matters to them if Sorry? you don't deal with it it's, it's counterproductive isn't it it's yeah gonna be um you need to get you need to nip it in the bud before it gets out of a. Uh... Mm-hmm. and and you and i do believe and i know that like, we we try and avoid cliches and we kind of joke about them when we bring them up but i do think you burn the people closest to you um, when you are feeling that way, that you, you know, you burn like the, the closest bridges in your life in yeah. terms of like the people that you, you lash out at. Yeah. Um, and in, and as I say, I, I, there was a period of time where, and you go, and the thing, the, the horrible part is, if it's someone you deeply care about, and obviously your parents, if you've got a good relationship with your parents, are, you know, one of the most important people in the world for, for, whoever, for your, for, for the, the, the offspring is that you learn to, like, live with it for a while. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, you learn to live with it with a while, and then you realise that, like, eh, it's not quite... Uh, you need to kind of... um, You reach a point where it kind of either explodes or you kind of, like, maybe intelligently or, like, just sort of realise that you just don't want to survive anymore. You want to do you want to do something about it, basically. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, um I think that's an important thing. That's that's an important thing that I hope people listening to now um, get something out of me revealing that and just saying I think that's really the summary of the that's that's if you don't deal with a problem, it's never really truly going to go away, and you're not going to like prosper in other aspects of your life as well. Like I think the greatest thing I can say in terms of my happiness now and how happy I am is that I even said this to Haley jokingly because obviously my happiness is the first thing I I learned to 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 figure out with, but I never would have met Haley five years ago if I hadn't dealt with what I was dealing with. Oh yeah, yeah. For example, so you know, so that that's the risk that's worth taking, Um, and 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 I've I've really like started to um, appreciate that over the last. Well, since I met Haley, and even before that, um, mm-hmm. just being grateful for like and and learning how I how, how I tick and the, and how I can deal with how I feel about things because that's where it starts, really. You know, you got to find your own happiness before you can let other people around you be happy. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so really, I mean, just to round this point off, it's like great. I remember, um, was it on the way to the comfrey when when I dropped oh, my mum off to work on, but like. Yeah, I was talking to the cab driver, and he's one we know a while, and we often talk about these things. But it come it come to a sudden realization to me because we often talk about where we were like five, ten years ago. And to think, even five years ago, if you asked me then, you'd be sitting in a studio talking to sort of like parents who've lost their child to suicide, and that I'd be like, "You're joking? No, never." You know what I mean? I feel like that. I feel like that all the time. We do mentally sound. I can't believe the the, the things that we talk about. Yeah. And I love that conversation we had at the beginning on Friday. And I know, like we say, like we do really good shows and it's the best one or whatever it is. But I loved how we we've reached a level where we're so comfortable doing it that yeah. we talk about whatever. And the fact that I like the conversation that me and you had about like 
the when we first started doing it and obviously I was there from the beginning but you were there like sort of you were there behind the scenes at the beginning but yeah um just how chaotic the shows were and how like it was more about getting the little things that didn't matter like we, we spent all the effort on things that ultimately didn't matter that much and it was more about just getting comfortable with the idea of talking about the stuff that we were talking about and now i mean I don't know about you, but I don't even think about the subject matter in terms of like how it's going to affect us. I just deal with it as it's happening. Um, And I don't feel like there's something that would come up that I would be like kind of be uncomfortable that I'd be like, okay, I can't talk about this. It's too much. I mean, I'm sure that there might, I I, I don't say that with 100% confidence because there might be something that would really get to me. And obviously if I felt, if I didn't feel great doing the show, it might might trigger something. But yeah. Um, yeah, I think I'm really pleased you mentioned the conference project because that was the last thing I wanted to talk about. Because um, we didn't really talk about it in that much detail on Friday, but um, me and Ricky and I let and I wanted to ask Ricky what he thought is that and we, we did touch on it briefly on Friday. But because um, I I think if we can get enough interviews, I wanted to release this unedited on here. Um, because I think it would be kind of interesting because obviously we have to re- do it as segments on on mentally sound, but. So the conf we we went on last Tuesday and fortunately some circumstances happened that we never got to do any interviewing or talk to people that much, yeah. um, which we'll not get into because it's their it's their pri- it's their private stuff. But um, so this is a a project that Ricky booked on Mentally Sound, and we actually went to visit in and it's based in Gateshead and it helps asylum seekers and refugees when they come to the country. And I, and I really like the fact that we talked, like, because one of the things that I want to focus on as well as having more diversity on here, um, uh, and on Mentally Sound, obviously, as well, is that, um, and so it was basically a project where they do, like, you know, gardening and, uh, like, loads of different, like, sort of classes and teach, uh, teach people English if they're coming here and can't speak English at all. Mm-hmm. And, um, and yeah, we went to visit the place on Tuesday. So the the hope is that we're going to do some uh, recording at the actual venue at the well venue the, at the actual project uh, center. Yeah. Um, I mean, what were your? I mean, obviously, I know we weren't there long, and we just kind of had a little like run round. But I mean, what were your? I mean, what were your thoughts on the place? Really uh, uplifting. Um, I was particularly impressed with. Um, uh, I think her name was Catherine, who we talked to, because you could tell. Um, she only been there since December as well, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, and I think the the the, the people we obviously met people who who sort of rely on the centre. The way they kind of gravitated towards it because they know the herd, the place. It was it was like that they needed that base to get them through whatever. I mean, we've dumped into the guest and we Lucy on the way back. The gate said, and she was on her way there because she she expressed in the show, didn't she, that that. Um, there's days where when she's not there, she gets depressed. So even on any given day when there's nothing going on, they, they'll just happen to go down there because they know it's a place where they'll meet. It's like a peer support as well for them. Uh, they, they relate to one another, what they might have gone through. Obviously, I think PTSD is a big theme mm-hmm. going on there because if you come from a war-torn place, you would have seen things that me, me and you wouldn't imagine having mm-hmm. to see. Um, I'm no, yeah, because I mean, unfortunately, and I, 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 this, I, this is not that much of a super general generalization when I say if they come from an African country, there's a good chance they're, in a, they're coming from a civil war country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, well, I mean, so yeah. Yeah, so it, you know, you can, uh, and um, we, I watched an episode where me, me and uh, Haley's favorite shows, Twenty Four Hours in Police Custody, and one of the police officers said, 
I think there might have been another police show because we watch a bunch of them, but um, yeah. one of the police officers said, which I really liked and respected, is they went to like an area in Birmingham, I think it was, which is, I know, has got multicultural, it's a multicultural city in terms of the people who live there. And they went, ah, oh, like, like, you know, we deal with this just as much as we would any, like, you know, standard British person in that, like, what's the difference between us getting a holiday home in Spain and living there than someone coming here and trying to make a living? <laughs> I, I, and I, I liked, I liked that answer because I think she's right. Uh, in a really basic sense, that's a really good way of looking at it. The why do we treat anybody differently? And this leads me to, cause I, I was curious about asking you this and I think it's a good, good time to ask you ask you this is the last this will be the last thing it's just um because obviously you know being my friend now for quite a long time and like i never like you know you'll understand what I, why i'm phrasing it this way as i go i never like because i'm i, I hope you feel like this obviously because it would be funny if you went actually see you and i feel completely different but i never look at like look at you ricky and like kind of go oh you know like your i think if you're like ethical background that's what i'm basically yeah. trying flipping around saying but i'm just i'm curious because um like do you feel because i don't know this obviously because I'm, I'm i'm english and my family are english so like do you feel completely like 100 percent english but or do you feel like because are, are your were your parents born here or in india born uh in india in northern india uh, they came over here in the mid seventies. I was born in the late seventies in London and brought up in Newcastle. Yeah. So I've got I've got, I've got a wide scope of different yeah. things on there. So great. So that's the con- great because that's what I was asking you about. What the reason I'm asking you about contents is to say that I obviously just look at you as Ricky, you're my friend and co-host of these shows, and um, you know I I don't look at you any other way. I just you're my friend. Is the like. Do you feel that you're like 100% English or do you kind of like feel like does is that important to you or do you think of yourself as sort of half and half or I'm just curious because obviously I've never I'm not in that position I'm not in that position in terms of my heritage and whatever is that I'm just curious how you look at your how do you how do you look at it Um so yeah it's it's I would suppose yeah as a kid um I'll I'll, t- I'll, t- I'll, t- I'll talk about it from this point, from this sort of angle because often you th- you see it through the prism of others, not just your own. So when I was in a, I was briefly in a private school for a few years, and I remember that being really diverse. There was a lot of uh, black, white, Asian, uh, Oriental people. It was really, and I didn't feel so different then. And when I got when moved to a state school, I was probably one of the only two. Asian kids then and that's when they really start looking at your differences and said well I actually I'm not really I'm not really that English am I I mean they're obviously looking at me differently not that I in hindsight you know hindsight's a wonderful thing but as kids if you see people who you don't see every day things that are different obviously it's not more diverse these days but you begin to question it um so that's probably when I did start questioning my my identity and then that carried on a little bit in middle school, I guess to some extent high school as well. Um, so in that prism, yes, you, I, I, I sort of, I would sort of describe myself, I probably didn't describe as myself as 100% British because I had that sort of, um, different upbringing at home. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I guess the more technical term is, is when you fill out forms and everything, you know, that, that bit that says what best describes you. It's always like British, British Indian, 
Uh, yeah. so I always use. I used to use Anglo Asian, and in some ways I still do. But yeah, I, I guess if you're born here, um, you're raised here. That's what it is. Um, Interesting. That answers answers up. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm just. I was. I was. I was really fascinated by that. I'm really fascinated by that because, um, as I say, from my point of view, it ultimately doesn't matter because I because the way that I look at it is, I don't think you like kind of look at you. You wouldn't like come to me and go, "I'm going to talk to him because he's English." Like it doesn't make sense. So why would I? Why would anyone? That that's the reason I think it's kind of stupid to 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 pigeonhole people by where they're from yeah. and all that yeah. sort of stuff. It's how people behave is what matters and how you treat how you treat people. Um, obviously, but I'm just curious. I, I was asking you in a like person. I was basically just curious to ask you in a personal way. Do you uh, even think about it? And if you do, just how you feel about it. So it was an, it was interesting. Do yeah. I? Th- uh, not no. Um, it, it it only it only becomes an issue when it's an issue, I guess. Um, well, you were describing be it like people being discriminatory, weren't you earlier? So I think that's basically why you I were thinking about it because of other people. In the sense that I've not really been on the back end of that much racism because. Again, probably from a more mental health angle, I've always been sort of an introvert. Um, I've always kind of kept myself to myself. Now these days, I'm a bit more gregarious. Mm-hmm. Um, probably not as much post breakdown as I was before, because I wasn't getting involved in a lot of things before. Yeah. Now I'm more in the mode where I just keep myself in check and I'm more careful about the things I get involved with, just to keep my knowing that you know the anxiety could flare up at whenever whatever stage. But um. No, I mean, I've, I've always mingled, mostly grew up around sort of uh, working class English, white working class English. So I'm probably more identified with that sort of crowd. Um, in fact, the, the the Indian business community is a little bit different. I found it always hard to crack that particular nut because because in that in that crowd, it's it's more. I mean, every every. Um, Race, creed, I guess, to some extent, dif- the different pigeonholes have their own ways of judging people. The the sort of Indian business crowd, um, I think we've discussed this before, has a knack of wanting to judge you based upon, um, you know, how much you earn or, or the job that you have, how big your house is, how many cars you have. And I've always repelled and felt really comfortable being, you know, uh, being judged upon that. Um it's like I remember Brian May saying something on Question Time. You know Brian May, the the yeah, Queen, Queen. Because yeah. mm-hmm. he's he's quite a vocal figure on political matters now. So yeah, because you know, um, they were having a discussion about aspiration, and uh, and he said it's funny how whenever the word aspiration is used, the the conservatives always use it in terms of how much you earn or money. Some people might might aspire to doing things in life which doesn't mean it doesn't matter how much you earn. It could be things to do volume. You would, yeah, you would hope it's not down. That doesn't be the volume for success. Yeah. Yeah, and that, I guess that's that's the ethos of how I look at other people. I, I look at people at character. Um, the how content, I to them. It's not about the riches of the world, but the content of your character. And that, and that includes uh, race, race, and ethnicity as well. I mean, you know, the, there is there's always going to be stereotypes and I, and I just talked about one there, I guess the Indian, the, the business side, but not all Indians of course are like that. Mm-hmm. I've met many that, that, that go the other way. I, I guess I'm one of them in a way. So, um, but that's why the interesting you said that, cause that's exactly, I think that's exactly why it is kind of meaningless to, to look at things like that. Yeah. Um, because as I say, it really comes down to, do like in our case being, you know, I mean, we're both, we're both British. I mean, if you really, come down to it but it's like 
it just comes down to are you ni- are you a nice person? Do we do we have a rapport? Do we have things in common? Yeah. All that other stuff, and it's like you know what does it matter? Which is why, like as I say, a good segue to, to end the podcast is to say that's the reason why I'm fascinated about the Confrey Project and. Um, I mean, one of the things that I love about doing the shows that we do, we, you know, that's one of the reasons I started doing Geek Apocalypse is I, I get that buzz of learning something I don't know about. Yep, um, yeah. And I think the Comfrey project is going to be great. So hopefully we'll get the guys on this and mentally sound and everything. So, um, and I'm excited to go and see them. So we're going to see them in a few weeks. Uh, and in terms of people on this, uh, on Friday we had the guys from Empowerment Support, Empowerment Training and Consultancy who we've, we, we touched on earlier called Darren and Ian. And I'm gonna, I've, I'm arranging um, to, to talk to them, uh, uh, the same week actually, I think. Um, so I might be doing quite a lot that week, um, for Mental Health Awareness Week. Uh, oh no, actually I think it's the week before actually, no, cause that's the 13th, isn't it? The, the, the 13th is Mental Health Awareness Week. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so the week before that, I'm going to be um, going to them guys to do a podcast, a full podcast here. So um, excellent! Uh, I think that 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 we we talked for more than enough. Um, that was re- that I really um, I really enjoyed it. And uh, anything 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 else you want to add? Yeah, well, mate, yeah. Um, we'll talk. Um, so I'm just very quickly. I'm I'm going to be transitioning because I've got like other oh, work job. on. Yeah, so that's going to be that. interesting. But I think it'll be more insightful to talk about you the next time as it happens and how it progresses but basically okay. i'm moving i'm moving within different quarters within the company at the moment so i'm, I'm um but it, it it does feel like i'm starting another job but whilst it was very daunting to start with when this proposition was being talked about i'm trying to look at it from i guess it, it, it was something i think that um it might have been hoped that with hope virgo on on friday show about embro- trying to embrace different challenges instead of like having to um you know where you felt that you might not it's not for you just try and look at it from from a challenging point of view and maybe at least give it a try uh, and you know you always have the advantage of saying well i gave it a go so i'm trying i'm i'm i'm, I'm tackling this one with this and now i'm already trying to um gain inspiration you know design wise and and seeing how it goes from there and um yeah well, Great, please. I'll make a note that we maybe talk about it on uh, next Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be interesting. Um, I, I'm very, I'm very happy to hear. I hope it's a good transition for you, and it um, makes you like, you know, not that you you seem unha- unhappy, but happier maybe. Maybe well, the right well word, I've always it? expressed to you the work has been a particular bugbear of mine. It's not yeah. been great for a while, so Fulfilling. maybe this might be yeah. point or. Yeah, It'll I think the word fulfilling makes sense. That I, it felt like it wasn't. It, it sounded to me, and when, when we've talked about it, like just in private, that it might not be fulfilling enough for you. So hopefully, this this new adventure will be fulfilling. Yeah. Uh, in terms of, uh, as you said earlier, like um, uh, career, um, fulfilling your creative juices. <laughs> um, you know, so yeah, it's been, it was really nice to catch up. Um, we talked about a ton of different things. I guess my summary in terms of my life, I mean, obviously, I know we touched on a huge amount of things like way back when. If you stayed this long to listen to us, we were talking about Paul Merton at the beginning, so I might go and see him. And uh, yeah. mentally, mentally sound is uh, on next week. Uh, oh, the the last thing I'll say, breaking news while we were on air, which is what that um, message on my phone is, is Sandeep got back to me to say we can do next Friday. Right. So that's definitely happening. So can you can get back to him about? Yeah, I'll I'll message him later in the week about that because I just want to make sure he remembers that we want to do it because it's going to be on a different day. 
So I want to I want to let him know with enough short notice that he won't forget that that's what we're doing and there's no clashes or anything. So yeah, cool. So yeah, so um, mentally sound the other show that we do. If you listen to this, please do subscribe to that as well on iTunes. As and obviously, if you enjoyed this podcast, please do subscribe to us. Um. And yeah, lots of cool episodes coming up, which I'm really excited about. Um, hopefully the university people that I mentioned on the last podcast is going to happen. I have been talking to, um, to Peter, uh, Krufov, um, the guy who does alcoholism, uh, might get him to do a mentally sound segment as well. Cause he talks about alcohol on the brain, um, uh, yeah. al- alcoholism on the brain and how it affects you, the, your chemical makeup, which is fascinating. And um, he's doing a PhD in it, so I wanted to talk to him about it. So hopefully we'll get, you know, the, the guest that I mentioned on the last episode on. And as I say, the next one's probably going to be um, the empowerment uh, training and consultancy people, Darren and Ian, from our Friday show on Mentally Sound. And, yeah, so Mentally Sound's on next Friday, 12 till 2 on Spice FM, and it's on the following week as well for the regular show because we're doing a – not to get into this, is complicated. We're doing an extra show because one of them didn't record. And that's the long, that's the short version because I can't be bothered to explain why why that is. Um, but yeah, so we're on this Friday as well as the following Friday. Um, so yeah, loads of mentally sound. So I encourage you to listen to that. But um, thanks, Ricky. As always, real pleasure to chat okay. to you. Um, thank you for letting me go to the match last time. I know whenever whenever spoke about oh, that, but we went to the Southampton game for Newcastle, which we won. So yeah, because every time I go off, I, the, every the last like few times I went, I'm pretty sure we lost all games. So I felt like I was a jinx. <laughs> so I broke my jinx, everyone. Um, but yeah, so that was really fun. So, um, we may get, we may talk about that another time. But, um, yeah, cool. Um, so yeah, uh, thanks everyone for listening. Thank you for tuning into the podcast. Obviously, like I just said, please do subscribe to us on any podcast directly that you use or, or iTunes or whatever it may be. Um, and we'll end the podcast like we always end. Then we're to the great B movie robot jocks, crash and burn. And we'll see you very soon for another edition of the Geek Apocalypse podcast. Thanks guys. See you soon. Bye. Awesome.